3: I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Carl, thanks so much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour gone in a snap. That stock plunging today, as you know by now. And does it mean the long-awaited rally is already doomed? We will discuss and debate that with the Investment Committee. Joining me for the hour today, Stephanie Link, Rob Siege, and Pete Nigerians, the co-founder of MarketRebellion.com. With me right here on set, Josh Brown with Check the Markets as we always do. Uh, we've paired our losses a little bit, but we're still having a negative day across the board. The Dow is now down by less than 1%, still 265. Uh, s and P's down 1 and 2 thirds percent, almost 66 points, 3907. See if we can... Hold that 3,900 level. NASDAQ is getting hit uh, especially hard today, as you might imagine, given what Snap had to say and the fact that that stock is now down an astounding 40%. 273 yield on the 10-year. Josh, you know, I go back to what Mike Santoli told me yesterday in overtime in his last word uh, about deja vu to the last time we had a little bear bounce. And it evaporated before you could really even enjoy it. And it looks like we're doing that again.
1: This has been an ongoing feature of uh, 2022. It's relentless. It seems to happen every week. We continue to say, how many times are you going to pump quarters into the same slot machine before you figure out it ain't going to pay you? How many times are you going to run at the football and have Lucy pull it away at the last moment until you realize, hey, I am not being rewarded for this type of behavior anymore the the, the way that I was for 10 years? It's tough. It's tough for people to get it into their head that the old playbook ain't going to work. But that's where we are. And one of the most interesting things that we've seen happen this year is the complete and utter uselessness of sentiment data. And I think this is it doesn't mean that it will always be useless. But there's this old trope that you hear investors and traders say, oh, when when we get extremely bearish in the sentiment, uh, buying opportunity is right around the corner. Or it's only useful at extremes, and right now it's extreme. We've had extremely negative sentiment data for not days, not weeks, months, quarters at this point. Extreme, 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 extreme. Why? Because the sentiment is not just related to the stock market. It's related to the economic environment in which the investor class is forced to operate. Bonds are, 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 are trading like biotechs and don't yield enough for people to feel good about them. Stocks are a, a, la- a minefield. Every day you look to your left, you look to your right, someone's arms are flying through the air. No matter what, there's almost nowhere to hide. That's the sentiment, and it doesn't have to mean a stock market bottom. Bad sentiment doesn't have to get worse, but it can remain bad. So I think a lot of things that used to work Buying these extremes in, in negative sentiment or buying these extremes in oversold, et cetera. They just aren't producing the same result. And the new playbook for investors, unfortunately, can be boiled down to one thing. Lower your return expectations. Improve the amount that you're saving and lower what you think stocks are going to give you in the near term because they're not giving you anything right now to hang your hat on. So
3: on that note, I mean, if anything, they're, they're giving you a lot to hang your head instead of hanging your hat on, right, Steph? Um, what was Walmart, yeah. was then Target, is now Snap. Who knows who is going to be next? But the impact on the market continues to be dramatic when any uh, company like that delivers. The the rapid deterioration in, in the picture, whether it's Brian Cornell talking about the rapid uh, deterioration in his ability to you know, deal with inflation that has dramatically impacted that business. Or when Evan Spiegel of, of Snap a month ago, uh, not even a month, when they report earnings, they're talking about revenue to grow between 20 and 25 percent year over year. Now it's like 15 percent uh, or less. That's pretty amazing.
4: Oh, it absolutely. is This is really hard. Um, we take one step forward like yesterday and two steps back. Today, Um, and that's been the market all year long. And there are a lot of cross currents going on. And there's more and more recession talk, which I think is premature. So we learned a lot about what you just mentioned. We learned a lot about what happened in April in this economy, right? We had a change in consumer behavior. They were not buying as many goods. They were doing more in terms of services. We'll see if that lasts. And inflation and interest rates really did take a toll on them. That's on the consumer side, right? None none of that is really that surprising, but the speed of which it happened really it w- was staggering um, Walmart and Target these are great great operators for them to be caught off guard like that really was amazing but uh, if you contrast it to what Jamie Diamond had to say yesterday or Brian Moynihan they actually were talking about an economy that is actually quite strong now mm. i know we don't have great visibility that's but that's the reason why wait wait oh, that's no. the reason why the markets are down 20% and if you listen to Brian Moynihan talk about the consumer, he talks about the consumer a lot, and he would know, right? He has a huge consumer business. And he talks again about the stats we talk about, the $2.7 trillion in excess savings. Debt to service le- levels are the best in 50 years. We know about jobs. We know about wages. So- And also, by the way, the overall economic data, other than housing today, which was a surprise to the downside, I mean, the numbers have actually not been that bad. They're not recession-like. I mean, not with PMI's north of 50. Not, not, well, I'm just, but people are talking about, are we in recession right now? There's no way we are in a recession right now. And by the way, interest rates have come down, and that's actually a good thing.
3: Well, they've come down because there's so much worry about a recession. I mean manufacturing today miss right. pmi miss composite pmi miss Richmond miss new home sales miss new home sales month over month <clears> miss um, stephanie does the history of the
4: banking PMIs sector are still expe-
3: does the history of the banking sector give you any
1: confidence that ceos on wall street are going to be I early think- to to calling a recession or does it say the opposite which is they seem to be blindsided every time and this time probably won't be very different
4: I don't think that's true. I think Jamie Dimon, Brian Moynihan, they've learned a lot from the last crisis and and, and they've been risk mitigating for the last decade. Okay, fine. If you want to paint a glass half empty picture, go for it. I'm trying to stay calm because the market is really all over the place. And I'm trying to think as a long-term investor where there are opportunities. And if I do see a recession on the horizon, well, then I'm certainly going to act on it, but I'm not seeing it right now.
3: So the The one of the points is, I think, Rob, is that it's not like Jamie Dimon yesterday said the sun is out and everything is great. In fact, he said far from that. It just happens to be that people are looking to hang on to any bit of positivity. Now, Brian Moynihan has been positive for the duration really about the consumer. And obviously he's been right and he has the data to to back that up. However, we know that credit card balances are going way up, right? People are buying a lot on, on credit. People spend a lot on travel. But at some point, it's going to catch up to, to everything else. Um, I mentioned to you all of those data points today that, that were amiss. You couple that with Target and Walmart and, and now Snap, as I said. Uh, how do you see the environment today? Steph is not ready to put the nail in the coffin on, on the economy. Are you?
5: Uh, not on the economy, but we're in a downturn, and sadly, it's a downturn that's been caused by Fed monetary tightening in response to the things that are going on environmentally, related to inflation, the war, and, and shutdowns in China. And the critical thing for the market now is when the Fed, Fed pivots. And so we're in an environment where uh, where things getting worse are actually going to have a great setup for when the Fed's able to do that. I think we're all surprised at the pace of uh, deceleration that we're seeing. And so we know we know the Fed's going to tighten at the next two meetings. We know we're going to get 50 basis points in June, 50 basis points in in July, and then I think it sets up from a timing standpoint for an August September which could be could be reasonably could be reasonably good if the Fed does pivot. I I I will tell you. Why do you think they're going to pivot? Why do you think they're
3: going to pivot? What gives you any reason to believe that they're going to pivot? I just I'm just curious because I keep hearing that from people and I'm wondering
5: what backs that up. What I would tell you is the pace of change that we're seeing in deceleration. Look at Snap. They reported earnings on April 21st. That is only a month ago. Look how quickly things decelerated for them. Look how quickly they had to had to warn. In addition, we're seeing a lot of things. Maybe they did a price. bad job with
3: their guidance, too. I mean, people are just are, are also taking this. Oh, the the environment deteriorated or, so much over got, the last three three weeks. Maybe they didn't do a good job when it came to giving their guidance.
5: I, I don't know. Or things got worse rather quickly. And when you look at why the Fed has to maintain their stance. It's for two reasons. It's inflation expectations and wage pressure. And the key is that labor could be weakening faster than expected as companies realize that they've overhired. In addition, you had Bostic speak yesterday about pausing rate hikes in September. You had Mester talking about reassessing the hike path come September. You had Bullard, who's known as one of the biggest hawks, talking about rate hikes in 23, 24. Now that's that's out there. I get that, but you're starting to see a softening of the rhetoric. Now, again, we don't think we're at the we're in a downtrend. We think most of these rallies are bear market bear market rallies. Our playbook has been when the Fed is the storm, you have to run the ball. And so we're staying in high quality. When the Fed is supportive, you want to pass the ball. We're not in that environment. So we want to give ourselves the optionality of staying invested, but in the right way. So when the time comes, we can participate.
3: I'm thinking maybe the rhetoric simply only calmed down because the market's gotten the message already. I mean, the the, the Fed has beaten it over our heads at this point. We know what's coming. The market has already kind of done part of the Fed's job for it, so they don't need to keep doing it theoretically anymore. Pete, I see somebody who's cautious, I think is, is fair to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, you trimmed at least 20 calls, you say, since yesterday.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, well, just looking at the markets that we've got, Scott, and we've talked about this a couple of times now since I bought Goldman Sachs right after or right before earnings, right around the earnings time. And outside of that, that's the only stock buy that I've made this year. And I think a lot of the time, I think that the producers and other people have said, guy, are you not really finding anything? And the answer is no. Uh, Given the backdrop of everything that everybody just got done talking about, whether it's inflation, whether it's the job inflation, whatever you want to point to, Ukraine, China, whatever it is, there is so much going on, Scott, that I just haven't had, uh, I still have that cautiousness about how I intend to move. And as you and I have talked over the last month or so, I've definitely been increasing what I've got on the put side of things. Now, I've trimmed some of that as well everything is about discipline for me. Discipline with the options. Most of the options that I sold turned out to be somewhere within the energy space and others. That's not a negative for the energy space. I am willing to jump right back into any of those names. But some of those names actually were hitting 52-week highs and the options were performing. I think you've always got to stick with discipline. It's exactly what we're trying to do. So I look at my option positions right now. I'm about half of where I was a week ago. And then I look at the stock positions. The only change was Goldman Sachs. And it's held in exactly what I wanted it to do i intend to hold on to this stock unless something dramatically changes and i will continue to sell very high implied volatility options against that and the other stocks that i'm long for as long as it takes or it gives me the opportunity to, to continue to do that, that's exactly the game plan that I've got for the stocks. There are a couple of stocks out there. I will give you a little bit of a hint. There are stocks out there that are definitely on my radar that I am looking at very closely that by the end of this show or the end of this day or maybe in the end of this week that I certainly think that I'm going to be positioned in buying some of those. But didn't you, until then, right now, I've only bought one. Yeah. Didn't you used to own Snap? I can't remember. I never owned Snap the stock, but I did have many times where I've had options in Snap. Yes. And and that name, you know, you can just take a look. This is one of those names, Scott. And the reason I say that is it's a name with, with options for me because it's one of those that falls into that category of, all right, when you start talking about price to sales, three and four digit multiples, no multiple, that's where Snap really tends to find itself. And because of that, it's been something that I'm willing to trade it but I certainly don't see the fundamental side of owning the stock. So there's, there's a lot of names like that. You well, can I mean, go through, that one you know, that you're thinking the, of the buying entire... calls.
3: I'm sorry to interrupt you. Is that one that Absol- you're thinking about buying fresh calls?
0: Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, today we had a giant buyer of puts in Snap that tells me that people think that not only is this stock in trouble, but maybe in bigger trouble than people even, you know, right now are looking at. So they were buying the 14 puts that expire on Friday. They bought well over 10,000 of those puts at the 14th strike. I would have participated, but it started to move. The stock was trading a little bit over 14. It dropped to 13.5 almost immediately. So, you know, uh, i got to stick with the discipline there. I'm not going to be chasing options, especially options that are going to be expiring by the end of the week. I don't want to chase those kind of options right. at this point in time. But I, th- I think there are so many different opportunities out there, but that is not one of the stocks on my list. Well, no, ab- absolutely not.
3: What are, you, are you worried, <laughs> Pete, about Facebook? which you own, that stock's down 8.5% no. on this news. And, and, and if not, I, I just heard you say no. Why?
0: Well, because of this. Uh, when you look at Snap, Snap, the problems with Snap are Snap generally related. Now, you could try are? to read through that and say, well, but they're – well, well, you could read through that and say, well, this is all about social media, right? Well, who's the most dominant out there? It's absolutely Meta or Facebook or whatever you want to call them. So, yes, that stock's gotten hammered. I still continue to look at that. I know Steph's been talking about this name as well. I'll tell you what, when you look at the fundamentals of Facebook or Meta and you look at the fundamentals of Snap, they are not comparable. They're not even in the same ballpark of comparable. So you're putting a, the, the biggest dog on the street against some little dog that's barking against it. I'm not. Worried about that little dog. I think Meta's gone down in sentiment, but I also think Meta's a name that absolutely can re- be back up towards 200 in a heartbeat. So I'm, I'm not concerned mm. about that name right well, now. I
3: mean, Steph, I mean, if the digital ad market is Im- impacting Snap and soon to impact others, you've got to believe that it's going to impact Meta, which you've been buying more of as recently as this week, if I recall correctly.
4: Yeah, but I've been adding slowly, certainly, because I believe in the long-term story. And I think, yeah, advertising is going to be a challenge. I think that's the reason why the stock is down 47% year-to-date. I think a lot of the news is already reflected. And it trades at 13 times earnings. Snap trades at 52 times earnings, right? I mean, that is just, that's not defensible in my mind, right? So 13 times earnings, they have $48 billion in cash. Um, they 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 are trying to fix reels. I think that's a second half 2022 kind of story. But in the quarter, 20% of the user time was on Instagram. And then they're, they have their daily active users and monthly active users, it's like two to three million. Their daily active users actually increased sequentially 31 million last quarter from the prior quarter and the prior quarter had negative negative 1 million right remember they didn't grow users sequentially uh, two quarters ago so they're fixing things and I just think they have much more staying power they much have much more size and scale Mm -hmm. and so yeah I will continue to be adding to it
3: man these next earnings reports are going to be unbelievable to watch I can't wait
4: yeah cannot
3: wait for earnings season to see what happens and, and what they say As we all try and figure out what in the world is happening and how it can be happening theoretically so quickly. On that note, let's bring in our senior economics reporter, Steve Leisman, because I think we're all trying to get our arms around, Steve, exactly what's going on. From a business standpoint relative to a consumer standpoint, one seems to see deterioration somewhat rapidly. The other one seems reasonably strong. Reasonably.
2: So I think it might be worthwhile, Scott, for purposes of the the fascinating conversation you guys just had to ask yourself what you might have expected to be happening about now. Go back and look at the two year back in, I don't know, October of last year, where it was 0.26 percent before Powell shifted gears 0.54. You've now worked in your 246, 250 right now, call it 225 basis points of tightening to the economy. You would think that you would expect by now to start hearing some sounds of softening in the economy, some warnings from companies. I don't think that if you were sitting there expecting everything to go along hunky-dory after 200 base points of tightening came into the economy, I'm not sure you were quite paying attention. So I think what I would do is go back and ask myself— Am I hearing worse things than I might have expected realistically, or am I hearing pretty much what I expected? Worse. And, and so far, worse. Well, how can it not why? be
3: worse? Why? But why? Tar- did you expect what, what Target had to say about the, 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 the degree to which their costs are, are going up, freight and, and other things, and how their margins are being so dramatically hurt by that? <clears throat> did you really expect that three weeks ago, Steve, that Snap could say they expect revenue to grow? Anywhere between twenty hey, and twenty-five hey, hey, Scott, percent, and now it might Scott, barely be fifteen or did less. Did you expect? Did
2: you expect Target and Walmart to pass along every single cost increase they had? Did you expect them to be unaffected by the supply chain disruptions? Did you expect stocks to keep going up to the moon amid this particular no, no, uh, no. environment that we're in right here?
3: No, of course not. Okay, o- so o- of course not. But that doesn't that doesn't mean that the the picture couldn't have gotten a lot muddier. A lot quicker than people thought and it certainly seems like we're kind of there
2: you know i i, I do think we are there and i think it's time now what we, we might have expected which is these companies begin to report some impacts of all this i was surprised scott And maybe this was a bit of the head fake that we went through, that companies got through the most recent quarters in quite as good shape as they were, that they did not report margins compressing. They were able to pass it along. And I think we've reached some sort of logical point here where um, companies can't pass it along quite so well. I think the other thing you want to be a little careful about here is what the goods folks are saying versus what the service folks are saying. Mm -hmm. What we might have happened here is you had companies, just like investors, seem to think like that the uh, pandemic economics were gonna go on forever, which they were not ever going to, Um, that the the, the Pelotons were going to keep selling bikes like nobody was ever going to leave their home, which they haven't done. I think the goods folks may have ordered to that extent. And right now what you may have is you may have some overordering, some excess inventory that's out there that they have to work off as consumers shift to. Uh, essentially, um, uh, more of a service sector economy, which we were beforehand. So I'm not hearing the the, the travel guys say that they have problems. I'm no. hearing the goods folks. They say no. they have problems right
3: now. But but we, we've had this debate as, as to whether if you're hanging your hat on the consumer, and all of your evidence is in the travel industry, duh, you're looking in the wrong place, because of course the money is going to be spent there, and it probably already in large part has through advanced bookings, but then at some point it runs its course. I mean, on the other side of a pandemic, people have been stuck in their houses. What do you think they're gonna spend their money on? But I keep hearing that, oh, the consumer's so strong, you can't get a seat on an airline, you can't get a hotel room, and if you do, you're paying a premium for a seat or a bed in, in either scenario. But, but neither one of those are, is representative, Steve, uh, of the real strength, the underlying strength of the consumer, I think you could suggest. Why would you say that, Scott? Why do you, why do you draw from
2: Walmart and earnings I don't. deep truths while they represent 30% of the economy, but not from the travel and the service sector, which represents 70% no, of consumer I, spending? I, I, I don't, I'd say
3: there's a deeper truth there. I don't say that, that what Target and Walmart had any, whatever they said had nothing to do with the strength of the consumer. Let's be clear. Brian Cornell was clear about that. That that had nothing to do with it. I'm just suggesting that what you think you're looking at today and suggesting, see, the consumer is so strong, doesn't necessarily last into the fall once that money is gone on the services that you're suggesting say how strong everything is. Yes, things are good now. The consumer is good now. They're good now. The question is, are they going to deteriorate as fast as the business conditions appear to be on the other side of the ledger?
4: I,
2: first of all, I'm not jumping off a building because Snap missed earnings. I'm just not doing it. I'm, I'm more in line with, with <laughs> Stephanie on that, you know. Uh, I, 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 I would follow Meta or Google or what. I don't even know what they're we call all them. Meta. All whatever they're that all that is. They're
3: all at two and three Steve. All the other things. That's what I would follow. They're
2: all at two and three let, lows. Let's I'm sorry, Josh. Hold sorry.
3: your thought. Hold your thought. You, hold your thought. Let me get me in right. a break. Let me get in a break. You stay there. Uh, we have a lot of mm-hmm. other stuff to get to. Uh, as well more moves from the committee that we need to tell you about and then a reminder tonight six o'clock eastern time a cnbc special report trading tech it's hosted by john fort we're back in just two minutes don't go anywhere old dominion freight line was built on keeping promises with an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate we keep promises better than any other ltl freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep
6: its promises, visit odfl.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash report. That is linkedin.com slash report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash report and get started.
3: Let's uh, touch on the markets here. Uh, we're kind of hanging around, for the most part, where we were when we started about 26 minutes ago. Dow uh, holding steady with a loss of 200 points. The Nasdaq's the big loser today on the back of Snap and then some other names like Facebook and Google and so a lot of those social names are rolling on the um, on the Snap uh, shocker if, if you want to call it that. You were saying to Steve, Josh, what? Just a I, moment ago. I agree that
1: it's it's not it's not worth um, obsessing over Snap uh, coming out and saying that they're not going to make earnings, but that ignores the fact that as we speak. Uh, Amazon, which is the U.S. consumer writ large, quite frankly, as as relevant as any other company you could think of. Forget about Snap. Amazon is talking about subleasing 10 million square feet of excess warehouse space, and is at a level we have not seen a trade yeah. since April of 2020. It has now round-tripped the entirety of the gain that it saw from the pandemic and the aftermath of that. Uh, That's one name. Google's at a two-year low. Meta's at a -a two-and-a-half-year low. So it's not just Snap. And these are the companies that were supposed to have growth regardless, pandemic or not. And it turns out the Fed slamming on the brakes and hitting the stock market. We've seen $8 trillion worth of household wealth vanish. U.S. uh, uh, US households, 33% of their net worth is in stocks, primarily concentrated among the middle class and up. Um, And when you do that, now you see new home sales fall off a cliff this morning. Existing home sales will be next. Watch for that next month. When you do that, uh, you can't expect this to be another V-shaped recovery. And you really should be able to look at this and say, well, maybe in March of 2021, when inflation went above the Fed's quote unquote target of 2 percent for the first time, Maybe that should have been when we start talking about preparing for the end of extraordinary accommodation. That's a year and two months ago. So all of this catch up and slamming on the brakes, I understand why it has to happen. It is not the, the, the preferable way to have dealt with what pretty much anyone could have foreseen with the amount of stimulus coming in, both from uh, Biden's uh, 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 stimulus plan, as well as the continuous buying of mortgage bonds and treasury bonds months and months and months after it became apparent that the employment, uh, the labor market was just fine. So that's where I think we are. And I don't think we can reverse it on a dime because it wasn't caused overnight. It's something that's been building up for a long time. Steve.
2: Well, I just want to point out a chart here, which uh, Stephen Stanley put together from Federal Reserve data, which looks at household liquidity. And what it shows is there's four trillion dollars sloshing around there among household balance sheets. This is money market funds and bank accounts. This is not the stock market funds. And by the way. Josh understated the losses because he left out a trillion dollars of losses in the crypto world. So it's really nine trillion. But anyway, there's that line there, which uh, Stephen Stanley points out, saying households are sitting on a pile of cash. This is year end 2021 is the last data point there. Uh, some of that's been worked off, but there's still, I think Stephanie used the phrase of 2.7 trillion. Uh, it may be even lower than that, but it's still a substantial sum of money. Um, I, I guess my point to Josh would be, uh, yes, there are losses. I think the Amazon point kind of makes my point, Josh, because Amazon did wonderful and well during the pandemic uh, because it was selling a whole ton of goods from people sitting at home. And again, that kind of easing off or coming off of where it was before makes sense to me and may have been, in fact, overdone because I think me... Amazon holds on to some market share because I think we've changed, by the way, some of
3: our spending patterns, though not all. Of them. Hey, let me let me jump in while I have you, Steve, but before I let you go, uh, because I, I want you to react to and I want everybody uh, to react to it as well. I, I know um, all of you, wherever you're watching right now, Everybody in the box is trying to think the same thing. When is the market going to get some sort of stability? Negative inflation, Neg- what, negative inflation trend. So, so Bill Ackman uh, sent a series of tweets uh, a few moments ago. And I want to read you one of them, Stephen. I want your reaction. I want everybody's reaction. Uh, among He's talking about mm-hmm. inflation being out of control. But he does say, and I'm quoting now, how does this downwards market spiral end? It ends when the Fed puts a line in the sand on inflation and says it will do whatever it takes and then demonstrates it is serious by immediately raising rates to neutral and committing to continue to raise rates until the inflation genie is back in the bottle. Stocks of real businesses, in quotes, are cheap once again. Markets will soar once investors can be confident that the days of runaway inflation are over. Let's hope the Fed gets it right. And I guess, Seach, before I have you react to that, Steve, Investors aren't confident yet that a runaway inflation is, in fact, over or that the Fed is going to get it right. So you've got two problems colliding with one another, which is why you've got such a degree of uh, instability in the stock market. No,
5: that's that's what I was saying at the beginning of the show, Scott. But I think you have a Fed chairman that has, has said that he's going to be incredibly data dependent. And my sense is that the the data is indicating that we're slowing rather quickly one of the the points that Josh made. So I think ripping off the Band-Aid, going to neutral, which is two thirty. 235 right now. That's an incredibly large move. I think it would challenge his credibility, honestly, because he just said that we are going to move 50 at the next two meetings and then be data dependent. I know, but isn't his
3: credibility already in question? I mean, some are advocating like Jim Cramer for 100 basis points immediately. Now, whether you believe that or not, Um, you know, Ackman's not in the camp by himself, suggesting that the Fed just needs to be much more aggressive, much quicker and just get it over with. And the markets will adjust and then we can move forward. Steve, what's your reaction to what Mr. Ackman is suggesting on Twitter?
2: Well, I'm kind of glad he's not running the Fed, I guess, right now. Um, I, I think that would be incredibly disruptive, more disruptive to markets than it's been already. I think I think Bill, like a lot of other folks, is impatient with the process. I think Josh Brown is 100% correct. It should have begun much longer uh, ago than it actually did begin. Uh, But I'd I'd say this. I think it's not important that the Fed get there with the funds rate quickly. It's important that the market price in correctly where the Fed is going and bring that forward. Like I said, there's 220 points of, of tightening in the market. I think Bill is right in the following sense that once we get the stability of knowing what level of the funds rate will bring down inflation, that will be the time, or slightly before that, hopefully, uh, to sound the all clear when it comes to the stock market. I'm looking today at what happened to the two year. It cratered on uh, a risk off uh, story right at the open, down, uh, I don't know, it was 11 or 12 basis points on the two year, came back just a little bit. And then look, take a look at the Fed funds. I don't know if you guys have that chart that I brought along. What, what we're doing right now is we're pricing out a 50 for September. We're now pricing in more of a 25. You got a 90% probability or higher of a 50 in June and July. And then you come back and now the market's pricing in a 25 uh, with a 35% probability of a 50. So that's a 25 priced in for September. Uh, And and what's really interesting to me, Scott, and I'm working on this story right now, is are we settling in that the Fed needs to get to three? That's where the funds Fed futures market has been now, Bill might be suggesting that we have to go further than that to ring out inflation, but I am seeing some stability in this three to three and a quarter range for the Fed funds. I think if the equity market became comfortable with that, you could start to invest, invest based on fundamentals and not fear that the Fed was going to plunge this whole thing into a recession. Yeah.
3: Uh, Steve, I appreciate it very much. Let's do this, guys. Let's take a quick break. Pete, I've got some moves that I've got to get to you uh, on because you bought some uh, calls in yesterday. SEACH, YOU ADDED TO ON MAY 16TH?
5: FINANCIALS.
3: SEACHIN. DO YOU KNOW THE ART OF A TEASE, SEACH? I MEAN, YOU'VE BEEN DOING THIS LONG <laughs> ENOUGH, sh- RIGHT? He JUST SHOUTED IT OUT. THAT'S, that's WHAT WE'RE GOING TO DO gotta, NOW. YOU WANT TO REVEAL THE REST OF THE WHOLE SHOW WHILE WE'RE AT IT, SEACHIN, BEFORE WE GO TO THIS BREAK? You, I MEAN, YOU could DO THAT IF YOU WANT. I MEAN, IT'S YOUR PREROGATIVE TO DO IT, I GUESS. you MIGHT NOT SEE YOU BACK IN A BOX FOR A WHILE, BUT NONETHELESS, WE'RE BACK AFTER THIS.
7: Welcome back to the half. I'm Bertha Coombs and here's our CNBC news update at this hour. More grim findings in Ukraine 3 months after the war started there. On Tuesday, Ukrainian officials said that workers removed rubble from a collapsed apartment building in Mariupol and found about 200 bodies in the building's basement. The city has seen some of the heaviest fighting of the war. The chief of the World Health Organization is set to be confirmed for a second term after running unopposed. WHO Director General Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus is expected to be confirmed by the UN Health Agency's member countries for another five-year term. And the Department of Justice is issuing new guidance on the use of force by federal law enforcement agents. The new memo emphasizes the limits on when deadly force is warranted and encourages officers to intervene in instances of excessive force. This marks the first guidance update of its kind since 2004. the last public payphone in New York City was removed on Monday afternoon to make room for newer technology. The city is replacing the outdated phone stalls with Link NYC kiosks, which offer services like free phone calls, Wi-Fi and device charging. Where will Bill and Ted go for their excellent adventure? Halftime returns after this.
3: All right. All right. We are watching The Financials today, obviously having a big week, uh, maybe ignited in part by what Jamie Dimon had to say yesterday at the shareholder meeting. And I want you to listen to what Mike Mayo told me in overtime yesterday about the perception of the banks, stocks versus reality. I'm told we don't have that. Um, OK, that's OK. Pete Nigerian, I teased it earlier. You bought city Calls.
0: Yes I did. Um, I was you know you and I talked yesterday about on overtime after Mike Mayo was on there and I'd been looking at this for a long time but Jane Frazier I think is doing a great job in this transformation. It's not easy it's not a quick fix but this is a stock that has been very very inexpensive probably for all the right reasons and a lot of that having to do with some of that exposure internationally. That's what she's out there trying to accomplish as quickly as she possibly can doing the right thing for the bank and all but to be get rid of all of that to jettison that and then to be a US bank once again that would that we would expect them to be so because of that I think now is a good time to probably enter here when I look at where where the multiples are especially when we're talking about price to book multiples this name has been very very cheap but it was cheap for the right reasons I think if she's able to pull this off this is a, a, one of these names that actually could get back to maybe one time's book. That would mean this stock has plenty of room to the upside, Scott, because the book value, value right now is about 92. Mm-hmm. So when I look at that versus J.P. Morgan and Bank of America and some of the other names, it is extremely cheap. But like I say, it was cheap for the right reasons. I think after they can get through this process, maybe, just maybe, this is a stock that has plenty of room to the upside.
3: Okay. Um, Mike Mayo, that soundbite is ready, I'm told. Again, Mayo on the perception of the banks by investors and what the reality is.
7: Bank stocks are low in value because the Mm -hmm. boogeyman is going to steal growth and cause all sorts of credit losses and problems. And guess what? There was no evidence of the boogeyman causing a recession anytime soon. Credit quality is excellent. Main Street banking is on a tear. And what's good for J.P. Morgan is even better for a lot of other banks. You
3: own J.P. Morgan. It's been a
1: downer, right? Yeah, I actually, I actually think I agree, with, uh, I agree with Mike Mayo. And I think a lot of the major banks are viable right here because there may be a recession. And if we're not in a recession by the end of this year, it might feel like we're in one anyway. We may not be in a technical one, um, but if you talk to most people on the street, they think we're already in one. In fact. Google searches for the term recession have never been higher, even if you include previous recessions. So that's the mood right now. We might not need to be in one. um, But the banks themselves, think about all of the things we've done from a regulatory standpoint since the last really bad crisis or the last financial crisis. We have things now like tier one and tier two capital, and we're paying attention to level one assets, level two assets, level three assets. We understand the damage that can be caused by under-reserving for losses or liquidity mismatches in, in different assets. So we're not going to have a repeat of that. It may be really bad for fintech, but I think J.P. Morgan, City, Bank of America, they're viable right here. You just have to live with the fact that the first 10% might be down, not up. I can live with that because I'm a young man. Um, but that's the way I would look at those <laughs> names. And I think JP. Morgan here in the low 100s is 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 a home run, okay? Rob
3: Siechen, you added you added to Wells Fargo uh, on May sixteenth, right?
5: Mm-hmm. We went to overweight the sector there by adding Wells Fargo. Since then, the sector's outperformed the s and p by three percent. Wells has outperformed by five percent. I mean, listen, the sector's had a really tough year. Uh, due to slowing economic growth and higher expenses and valuations like mayo said are uh, are much more compelling and it's possible that we're turning the corner we certainly think we are Um, jamie's comments yesterday about managing expenses and finding ways to increase shareholder value and the potential for rates to juice returns are all positive things we think so we put wells in with jp morgan blackstone and jeffries and uh, we, we added to it because it's one of the highest quality banks, according to our quantitative screens. It trades a one-times book mm-hmm. and less than 10 times next year's earnings and has mid, mid-teens dividend growth. So we think it's an attractive way to, uh, to play financials and was the, the, uh, the, the addition that gotcha. put us overweight the sector.
3: Okay. We are going to take a quick break. More trades just ahead. Steph, let's talk about some retail stocks quickly. Best Buy, trim the outlook, full year. Abercrombie, Abercrombie, trim the full year forecast. I mean, you do have some exposure in the space. Uh, Target, as we mentioned before, TJX. we got Costco delivering on Thursday this week. What are your thoughts here?
4: Yeah, no, I mean, I think... I'm not surprised by either, to be honest with you, after Target, right? Target said they weren't selling TVs and they're selling luggage, right? And suntan lotion. And they also said they had much higher inventories, 75 days worth of inventory. So, Abercrombie told you the same thing. So, these are not a big surprise. These are not the kind of companies I would own. I have owned Best Buy in the past. I much prefer TJ is shining at this point. They delivered, they raised margin assumptions, they're gaining market share, they've got new pricing initiatives. So, TJX is the one that I would be. Uh, buying and I have been buying
3: okay Pete you know I just realized that's all you with that big smile on your face we haven't heard from you on target yet I mean, you've been yeah. in a bunker or something yeah, like that I'll give it- taking cover from this stock <laughs> did, did you have you bought, did you buy any more on the drop? I mean what are your thoughts just just give me a 30 second 45 second riff here
0: Absolutely. So when they came out with their numbers and as bad as they looked, and especially when you look at what the earnings were a year ago and then you compare them what they gave, it was absolutely terrible. Right. So you you can understand why the selling pressure was as big as it was. The stock dropped significantly. And we all talk about it. But there I always live by discipline and rules. And one of my rules is. I'm not going to react on that day one. So I've, I've waited a little bit. I've tried to be patient. I continue to see that the markets have definitely some pressure on them. I probably at some point will be buying back in, in Target. But the one problem I have is all of the issues that they faced and they, they talked about, I think, still persist now. So I'm not in a rush to go in there and add any more, Scott, but I'm certainly watching it each and every day, and it was very disappointing. I'm sure the staff, including Brian Cornell, were not happy about how things went and how they navigated, but um, it's a difficult time, and we all know that.
3: Yeah. No, as he said as much, I mean, he said we own it. Uh, all right, Pete, thank you. We'll come back yep. with Pete's unusual activity next. Unusual Pete, what do you see for us today?
0: All right. You know I'm going to start off with energy because I love these names, even though I trimmed a bunch because of discipline. So I'm going to start off with Baker Hughes. Now, that one's pretty interesting, Scott. They're buying right where the stock is. They're buying. The the stock's trading just underneath 36 at the time. And they were buying 2,400 of the July 36 calls. And those calls are going for a little over $2. That was pretty interesting. I immediately jumped on that. I was looking to get back into some more energy exposure. And that was the first one that I found. Second, I've got K-Web. Now, we've got a lot of puts in some of these Chinese ETFs that pop up. k was pretty interesting. 5,200 of the June 3rd expiring, 23 and a half puts they're buying. So I don't talk about puts a lot, but in these ETFs, we've seen buying and buying and buying of puts. It was st- trading around 2530 at the time. Those were going for about 50 cents. I got one last one for you. In the space of gaming, we know how active that's been. But I've got EA, Electronic Arts. This one's pretty good. 4,200 of the June 3rd expiring 150 calls. The stock's trading about 136. They're looking for a pretty big bump. Those are going for about 50 cents. I'm in the first two. I have not gotten into EA yet. It just hit just now.
3: All right, good stuff. Quick break. Final
0: trades coming up next. Thanks.
3: Three hours from now, overtime, Wharton Professor Jeremy Siegel will join me. We will discuss where we are in the markets, what he thinks now. Can't wait for that conversation. Rick Heitzman as well, a venture capitalist, who is going to discuss Snap, the fallout for social media and other tech stocks as well. I hope all of you will join me then. Stephanie Link, final trade is what?
4: Johnson & Johnson, top-notch pharmaceutical business, medical devices recovering as we reopen and you have the consumer spin early next year. Like that stock.
3: Okay. Rob Seachin.
5: O'Reilly Automotive, we owned it for a long time. It's down less than the the, the sector, half the sector, strong balance sheet, and benefiting from an aging automotive industry. Okay. Uh, Pete, is that you at the top there, Best Buy?
0: Yes, sir. I'll tell you what I did, Scott. Um, I decided to buy the stock, so I did buy stock. It's not Mm. options. Whenever somebody lowers their forecast and lowers all this stuff and the stock is basically unchanged, I think that's a stock I want to own. It's very cheap.
3: What's most interesting is that you don't buy stocks that often. I, I know everybody knows that, but I don't think they realize right. uh, uh, how rare it is. The only other stock you bought <laughs> this year, I said it before, is Goldman Sachs. We've said it a million times. So you don't buy That's stock right. that often.
0: Yep. Nope. Nope. Yeah, so this, right. is, this one will be pretty interesting to see how it plays out. All yeah. Right.
3: Keep our eye there. All right. JB. Uh, JP Morgan,
1: stock is 32% off its high, and this is now yielding more than 3% competitive uh, with the 10 year once again this week uh, as bonds rally and and yields go down. So I I really like the setup. I think if you can hold it for a couple of years, you're going
3: to get paid. Yeah. Um, A reminder again, I hope you will all join me in overtime uh, as Professor Siegel uh, joins me that we can take a quick look at the market at large as well. Before we get out of here, Dow still has a loss of about uh, 250. It's the Nasdaq. It's not. It's actually hanging in pretty well, considering all things considered. Uh, NASDAQ's uh, suffering some pain today, down nearly 3%. I will see you in a few hours uh, the exchanges now. You've been listening to CNBC's halftime report, The Podcast. You can always catch us live, weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC.
6: People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older